We are uh, currently studying in the book of James, been winding our way through James for, uh, I don't know, a couple months now, maybe? And we are, uh, we're, we're finally winding down. We've got, I think, one or two uh, little sections of James left, but let's go ahead and dive right in this morning. We're in James chapter 5, and what I would like to do is read our text together, and then uh, we'll pray. How's that? James 5, uh, verse 7. Did it work? There we go. I love when things work. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And we say yes to that, Lord. You are full of compassion and mercy. And uh, we ask that this morning you would open our hearts to receive your compassion and mercy and to receive your word, that it would uh, water our hearts, Lord, and cause your spirit and your life to grow inside of us, that you would continue the process of transforming us into the image of your son, Jesus, Lord, that we would be like him in all things. Uh, In your name we pray. Amen. Um, I think the point of this passage is... Fairly clear in four short verses there, James uses the words uh, patient or patience five times and the word perseverance two times. Those are uh, patience and perseverance are related and in scripture they're closely related. Perseverance and endurance I think are both used at different points in scripture. Perseverance and endurance kind of being the same thing. Patience again being very closely related uh, all throughout scripture especially through the New Testament. We will see uh, that as a continuing theme and a concept that uh, many of the New Testament authors really emphasize to us. In Colossians 1, Paul uses these terms together uh, in really almost a synonymous way, saying, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience. So again, that's a, the, the idea that we need uh, as as a, a part of our Christian life, in, in, you know, kind of really uh, in the fabric of our heart, who we are, endurance and patience as Christians is an important thing. We'll come back to that in just a minute. First, I want to say that, uh, mentioned, this is really another very uh, kingdom-minded passage. If you remember last week, those that were here, we talked about James having a kingdom of God perspective and, and really coming from uh, an eschatological place of knowing that the, uh, uh, the, the coming of the Lord is, is going to happen, but it's already begun, that we're, we really are in this interim period. Here he says that we are to be patient and wait until the Lord comes, and James believes that uh, the Lord's return is near. Now, uh, with that in mind... Patience for James uh, is not a passive resistance. He's not calling us 
to stand around and uh, look up into the sky to see if we can see Jesus coming. Um, that might be a weird idea for some of you, but I, I, there, there are uh, portions of the church today that really live their life that way. Uh, they're just sort of in a holding pattern, in a waiting pattern, uh, with the understanding of maybe we don't really need to do anything because Christ is returning soon. Now, if you're my age, and if you've been a Christian for a while, if you were uh, in, you know, around uh, during the 70s in the church at all, that was a very familiar concept to you. There were many people that were kind of, and in fact, I saw movies where there would be people looking in the sky in the film, looking for Jesus to come. And there was this mindset that that's really what it's about. It's just we wait. We're just waiting for Jesus to come. He's going to be here soon, so we'll, we'll just hang on until he gets here. That is not what James is calling us to do at all. For James, patience is involves actively engaging in the kingdom of God. Uh, it's, it's, it's an understanding that we are at war, there is warfare happening around us, and that we, we actively pursue that. It involves being, doing, loving, praying, ministering, actively engaging in God's rule and reign in the world today. Uh, we are to be patient and persevere in the midst of a hostile environment. That's really what James is calling us to. Uh, and that is the essence of the kingdom of God. The essence of the kingdom of the God is this, that yes, we are in fact in the last times. Jesus is coming. He wins. We know that. But with that confidence in our hearts, we then engage in the, the fulfillment of his purpose and his plan, his will, his kingdom come on earth today. We engage fully in the battle between the purposes of God being fulfilled in, in the world and the realities of a cruel world around us. That's why we're here. That's what patience and perseverance and endurance mean in the New Testament. That's why he tells us to be patient in suffering. Patient in adverse circumstances. Um, no one ever promised, at least biblically, uh, that life would be easy. No one ever promised that we would be free from hardship or adversity. Those things are a reality of life. And I, I, I really believe that we cannot preach the gospel <laughs> without acknowledging that. <laughs> Morning. Morning, Johnny. <laughs> I love our kids, man. I just don't think we can, we can with any sort of uh, integrity, preach the gospel without acknowledging that. There, there is sort of sometimes this happy, shiny, head-in-the-clouds gospel that's not the gospel of the Bible. You know, it, it struck me. You, what, what is the good news then, you might ask? Well, the good news is this. I think the good news is twofold. One is that we do have, in the midst of the battle, the conviction that God wins. We have that. That's the confidence that we enter in with. The, the second part of the good news is this, that we have the confidence that no matter what happens, come hell or high water, He's with us in it. That's the deal. God's with us in it. Everything that's going on. Trina mentioned the thing at uh, college down in uh, Roseburg this week. It's horrible. Horrible stuff. And you go... Where's God in that? But you know He is. He's there. Somehow in the midst of even the most horrid tragedies, God's there. He's in the midst of those things. We have that confidence with us. That's, that's, that is the perspective of the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom perspective. We don't know when Christ is going to return. Uh, 
you know, it, from James' time until now, really, every generation, there have been those people that believed that God was coming back soon. I mean, you know, I know people today, I, I know pastors uh, today who believe that God is going to return, Christ is going to return in our lifetime. I don't share that conviction with them, but the truth is, I don't know. I don't know when he will, but that's not the point to me. The point to me is that we're, we're, we're not to be preoccupied with when Jesus is coming back. The point is that we're to live out our lives in community and in faith uh, with one another as though it's already happened. That's the kingdom of God. That's the essence of the kingdom of God. Um, skip ahead here. John Wimber had an amazing way of there he is putting things uh, in kind of simple terms and he said you better learn to love these people you're going to spend a long time with them Uh, that's kind of true you better learn to love these people you're going to spend a long time with them let me uh, put this in another way to you when we pray for someone who's sick and, and they are healed We say that's a manifestation of the kingdom of God. God's kingdom has come into that person's life today. What will one day be complete and whole in the world is actually happening in this situation right now. Well, let me say this. When the body of Christ functions together in community, that also is a manifestation of the kingdom of God. That also, it's the same thing. What will one day be happening in fullness, when we one day will be living in grace and forgiveness with a complete lack of judgment towards one another, is happening right now, that's a manifestation of the kingdom of God today. That's God's purpose and plan. It's his kingdom coming into our lives today. That's why we're to be patient, stand firm, work together in this thing as we go. Paul uses uh, this, this very same phrase in the book of Ephesians in warfare context. It, you know, this is my, the whole, I, the Ephesians, the armor of God is one of the most taught on sections in scripture. People teach, I've heard a million sermons on the armor of God, and I've heard everybody break down the different pieces and what they all mean. And most of them don't cover this verse. This is my favorite verse in that passage. It's actually a verse and a half. Uh, it says, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. In a verse and a half, sentence and a half, three times, stand, stand, stand. There's, there's, there, there's something to be said for being able to stand in the midst of trials and tribulations and darkness and strife and stuff and know that God is good and God is confident. God is going to, we are having confidence that God is going to take care of our lives in the midst of all that. Look, let me just say this. It's not always easy, kids. It's not always easy. Uh, but patience and perseverance are so essential to the fabric of our faith, to Christian life, to growth and maturity. That's something we've really, really uh, got to get a hold of if we're going to work this thing out. I was listening to a... Uh, a great song this week, a uh, worship song. It's by a guy named Strahan. Uh, he's a one-name guy, like Beyonce. He's just one name, except that he's a guy, and, he, and he's white, and he's from New Zealand, and he writes worship songs, and he wears more clothes. Um, but besides that, it's kind of, he's kind of the same. Uh, this is the song. I'll just share the lyrics with you really quick. It says, For years I've stood, I've held the line, spoke into the night, and fought the devouring lion. 
A peace I know has held me in as our Father draws close with an army to begin. So I feel the night for the coming of the Lord, and I'll await the light that I've seen before. Well, friend, I know you see it most. The dark before the dawn feels fierce, and it feels close. But may you hear the angel's voice. He said, hold on one more hour to me, will you, boy? So I feel the night for the coming of the Lord. I'll await the light that I've seen before. We will praise him. We will praise him. He is coming. We will praise him. What I love about that song the most is that it's a peace that he knows, and it's a light he's seen before. And so he's not focused on the circumstances, on the darkness that's surrounding him right now. Yes, that's real, but I know that God is there. I know that God's in the midst of this thing. I know he's going to show up. I know he's going to take care of it. There's a total, complete confidence, even in his darkest hour, that God's going to be with him through it all. Uh, That really is what we're talking about when we're talking about patience and perseverance. It's not just gritting your teeth and holding on. It's holding on to God and knowing that he really is going to meet with me in the midst of whatever's happening right now. There are two concepts, and I've touched on both of them. You might be a little confused by that at this point. Verse 9 really provides the context for the whole passage. Uh, Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Anybody remember uh, the rich people last week that were being not very nice to the poor people? This passage is directed towards the poor people who were being not treated very nicely by the rich people. James says, don't grumble, don't judge them. James is saying, even though those folks may have wronged you, you know what? They're still your brothers and sisters. Don't complain about them. Um, Don't pass judgment on them. They're your brothers and sisters. It's it's pretty evident to me uh, in, in reading this and, and kind of processing through the situation that he's addressing that those that have sinned against have not asked for forgiveness. And yet, that has kind of, it seems to me at times, become standard procedure in the church. Uh, we only forgive those who ask for forgiveness. Uh, we teach our kids that, don't we? You know, he hit me. Well, you say you're sorry, and then you forgive him, okay? And I'll be honest, I think it's probably a fairly good parenting strategy. Um, but it's, it has no biblical precedent. It has no biblical precedent. There's nowhere, anywhere in Scripture that it says that we're only to forgive those who ask for our forgiveness. There's nowhere in Scripture where it says we're only to forgive those who deserve our forgiveness. Who are we to forgive? Not a trick question. Those who sin against us. We forgive those who sin against us. Jesus is um, our example. And Jesus finds himself nailed to the cross. He has been falsely accused and ridiculed and mocked and beaten beyond recognition, spit on, uh, and crucified. And in that moment, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Nobody asked for Jesus' forgiveness in that moment. That's our example. If we're going to see God's kingdom manifest in our midst, we need to learn to live that way. We we need to learn to 
carry out that kind of reality with one another in the church. The final examples James uses here of patience and perseverance under being sinned against really is the, is the essence of the trial and the tribulation here are, are the examples of both the prophets and Job. And I think they're, they're really good examples primarily because those are recognizable figures from Scripture. We know what he's talking about when he talks about Job or the prophets. Most of us are familiar with Job's story. I think Job was a righteous man who really had a, a fairly comfortable and, and really blessed life, a charmed life, as some might say. And uh, yet one day, in just the most bizarre exchange between God and Satan, uh, God grants Satan access to Job's life, and he strips him of everything. He takes his health, he takes his wealth, he takes his family. He takes everything from him. In the midst of all that, Job vacillates. He goes back and forth. He wrestles. He asks questions. But ultimately, he stays faithful to God, and in the end, God restores things back to him. Prophets are similar. Jeremiah, uh, sometimes called Jeremiah the weeping prophet because he's so passionate and so compassionate in his administration of his gift. And yet, here's a guy who carried out his entire ministry under the threat of death. There were always people trying to kill him. He, too, was, was, was tortured and was, was beaten and was uh, ridiculed for what he did. And yet, he kept going. He just kept going. He kept going. He kept going. Isaiah, there, there's not a biblical record of it, but extra-biblical sources outside uh, writings indicate that King Manasseh had Isaiah killed by sawing him in two. Those are examples that we can look at and say those were faithful people who persevered under trial and tribulation, who endured hardship and pressed in to the heart of God and didn't give up. James says, as you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. We count as blessed those who have persevered. Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Of heaven. Um, so let me summarize this way. There are two main points, I think, in this passage for us to learn from. The first is be patient. Just be patient. Um, be patient even when it's hard to be patient. Be patient even when there's difficult things happening around you. Um, God will ultimately prevail and he will use those challenges and those difficulties to temper our faith and cause us to grow and become more like him. So be patient. The second point I think that's important here is don't complain or pass judgment on others, even if they're the ones that are causing the hard times. Even if they're the ones that are causing you to have to be patient. Um, That's a tall order, but it really is what we're encouraged to do in Scripture. And there really is blessing in doing that. As we persevere through those things, there really is blessing. God really is glorified. He, he really does get his way. His kingdom really does manifest itself in our, in our midst. And so, just to, to close, a reminder, and I, I'm, I'm glad he put this little bit at the end here, Uh, that the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. God is full of compassion and mercy. He's not limited in his ability to 
to care and to love and to put his arms around us and carry us through whatever it is we're going through and to enter into that peace that we've known and that light that we've seen. So uh, let's stand and pray.